0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this spooky edition of the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live in the Upload virtual studios where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. My name is Bond, Kyle Bond, International Man of Mystery and Operations Manager at Upload. Let's meet the rest of today's panel. Starting over here.
1: My name is David Jagno, a.k.a. the main guy here at Upload, but today I'm a mummy.
2: I'm Tatiana. I'm the digital marketing manager, and I'm going to suck your soul out of your body or something. Not really (laughs) much of a vampire person, but hey, you know.
3: (laughs) And I'm Rick Lico, animation director at PolyArch, and thanks for having me here, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So let's get into
0: uh, today's news stories. Uh, we're going to start off with Tilt Five, a tabletop consumer AR system, successfully finished their Kickstarter campaign, fully funded, far exceeding the four hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars for their initial goal. The campaign reached a total of one over one point seven million dollars pledged from thirty three hundred and forty five backers, unlocking four stretch goals. Now, David, I'm curious, have you actually tried the uh, Tilt 5 AR headset?
1: I haven't tried Tilt 5 and I never tried Cast AR. Um so I'm I'm not too familiar with the way this technology works. I know the premise, I know it's tabletop AR, right? So you mm-hmm. you know you have the glasses and you have the the thing and the like the hand remote and you can do like tabletop games like D&D and, and stuff like that. I'm um, sorry, I love the idea. One of my first ever VR experiences personally was playing D and D in Alt Space. That was like the one of the first things I did <laughs> back in I think twenty fourteen, I wanna say, or twenty I think twenty fourteen. It was it was around that time. And um it was it was amazing. I loved doing that. And so being able to do that in AR would be so cool because I know for me, I don't have a whole lot of minis. I don't have, you know, really cool props. I I, I do play D and D, but I just roll out a mat and draw a grid and I have, you know, a couple of minis and it's very bare bones, very basic. A lot of nerd. theater of the mind, as they say. <laughs> hey, hey, we work at a VR website, okay? Everyone's a nerd here. <laughs> but yeah, That's I mean, true. I love D&D, so it would, it would just be really cool to have, you know, like a digital version come to life on the table. Like, that seems so cool to me. I, I, growing up, I loved Toy Story, I loved Small Soldiers, all that kind of stuff was so neat to me, so being able to kind of make that real would be super cool.
2: It actually kind of reminds me of like one of the first HoloLens demos that we saw. I remember at E3 where like they showed, you know, Minecraft on a table and like yeah, being, to, yeah. being able to do stuff on a table like that. And that's kind of what it right. reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm just excited to see some characters come to life on, a, on an AR device like that. It looked really interesting to me, like being able to like, reach in and grab and and move your characters around and see what their opinions would be about what you're doing. And I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, so I did have a chance to actually try Tilt-5. I was a backer of the original Cast AR uh, Kickstarter, and uh, so I got a chance to try the Tilt-5 headset at uh, PAX West, I guess it was, just recently. And uh, just just exactly what I wanted it to be. They've got this nice big block of retro-reflective material and everything goes inside of it. So you're, it's like you're looking into a window uh, inside with all sorts of stuff. So as long as everything is kind of at the right angle, it looks really interesting to be able to do tabletop gaming and things like that. Mm. A lot more dynamic than just your standard D&D setup. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I was very pleased to see that it was able to exceed the goal um, you know the multiplayer experience, the multiplayer AR experience, uh, something that Tilt Five touts as as a big feature for them. That's kind of intriguing to me. So uh, I'm I'm curious. Does anybody have any opinions on multiplayer in the same room of AR?
1: I mean, I think that has to be the future of of the technology because augmented reality by yourself, It, I mean, it's it's neat to be able to do some things with AR glasses and AR devices, but you know, being able to share a space with someone else and have them manipulate the same area as you, I think that's where the the real um, impact would be, especially for games, because not many people think of AR as a gaming platform. Most people imagine AR as you know, like, you know, productivity and, you know, navigation and things to like a heads-up display when you're flying a mm-hmm. plane or driving or you know, not many people think of AR as a gaming thing, other than you know, Pokemon Go or whatever, but something like this could really change perceptions and I think it could be great. But um, my, my concern is um, I'm wondering just how much of the potential market have they already reached? You know, how many people other than those backers really want to drop hundreds of dollars on an AR table device? You know, I'm not, I'm not sold that that's going to be something a normal everyday person is going to want to buy because i um, board, board games in general are already a niche of a niche. So if you mm-hmm. just further, you know, make the market smaller and smaller, you're eventually going to have trouble getting to scale to be, you know, a, a, you know, a profitable business. So I'm not I'm curious to see how it goes once it's once slash if it actually launches because, you know, there needs to be what was the price of the. Yeah. Um, I don't have that right here.
0: Was it easy to
1: run? It was like
3: three or four hundred, right? Yeah, I think it varied based yeah. on how many glasses you had and the controller and all that kind yeah, of okay. stuff.
1: And I, yeah, I, they made it appealing to have
3: multiple. Yeah. 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 I think it comes down to the, uh, yeah. the, the the apps that you can get on it, right? Right. Like, right. I looked at it and I thought, man, you know, I've, I've got three kids. there's something on there and actually see the things move around and actually see it all come to life but if it's you know something that i'm not familiar with or doesn't reach me or that wouldn't be good for my my family then maybe i'm not in so i I really think like they need to get the development community they need to get some name brands on there they need to start looking at what's marketable and and then go from there because you know the best system in the world with no games isn't going to sell
2: Someone said uh, the base model price was 299. Like the first thing that I think about is like going up to like Tahoe in a cabin and you know being yeah. in the woods and like playing with it. Like that would be like my ideal situation. Like just Yeah,
1: cuz I know for me like when I go out of town I love the idea of bringing board games, but then it takes up so much space. It does. So this would mm. be a really nice alternative to that.
2: Uh, Chris though? Richardson said 360 was the deluxe. I'm not sure what the deluxe included, but that was the price for three pack. Okay, he said it's 8.79. So
0: I'd like to explore what you said, though, David. That it would be more convenient to just bring headsets, but you also have to bring a computer that runs it, as opposed to just tossing a box, you know, a uh, Candyland into the trunk of the car for a trip. You have to bring your computer and all these headsets. Are you willing to do that?
1: If I had a laptop that could run it, yeah. I wouldn't bring a tower.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I think I would. I, I think I would. I think, you know, you know to, to Rick's point, it's like, okay, I, I have kids too. I want to play Candyland and have, like, little suckers and lollipops and stuff yeah. pop up and the kids get stuck in the molasses swamp uh, and all that. That would be really compelling on, yeah. on yeah. Tilt 5.
2: I, I yeah. would make a mini PC build. If it was something that I would want to travel with, I would make a separate build for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, laptops are getting pretty good. It's just a matter yeah. of, can it handle that many? Cause I, I don't know what the actual specs would be. Like what is yeah, the min spec for a computer running uh, a, a tilt five set? Yeah. Uh-huh. Curious. Okay. All right. Let's move That's on to our true. next piece of news. Oculus Studios executive producer on Asgard's Wrath, Mike Duran, announced that Sanzaru Games are working on adding subtitles to their VR RPG action-adventure game Asgard's Wrath after hearing community feedback. He says it's many weeks' worth of work in QA to verify text across the entire game. Eh, Accessibility in VR games is what we're talking about here. It's an interesting topic. Uh, Vacation Simulator actually just recently added that update i think it was back in like you know june or july something like that no it was yesterday well they just added it yesterday
1: yeah
0: yeah oh okay okay they must must have have announced
1: it it, but um it just yeah i think they did yeah
0: yeah okay so so who wants to start here accessibility
3: subtitles you know, yeah, you can Look at we the on, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. went through it on Moss. Like, um, uh, you know, it was important for us to have a worldwide audience because it expands the amount of people that can possibly buy your game and all that. But it's also great to be able to support people that speak different languages or have different um, uh, problems with accessing games or whatnot. So we we support nine languages, and um, six of them are actually through audio, so you can hear the narrator in Chinese, two different versions of Chinese or French or German or, or or English or um and then you know obviously we've got subtitles in Spanish and and even Korean. Um, so it's that that was an important market to tap into for us. And I, I can see a lot of developers seeing the the possibilities with something like that. But it's also just being a responsible developer too, like being able to make sure you're, you're making an inclusive environment where people feel comfortable and everyone can access your game. And it's, it's even one of the reasons why we decided to add sign language to Moss was even though we don't use a lot of it and we didn't want to alienate people who don't speak sign language like myself, um, uh, we wanted people who, who spoke sign language to feel comfortable in the game and have you know, a way to interact in, in a meaningful way to them. So I think a lot of developers are are seeing this, you know, and they're 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 jumping on board. And it's great that um Asgard's Wrath is joining in.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, I fully agree. It's um accessibility is something that is a big topic in gaming, not just VR, but you know, the overall gaming industry as well. And um there's a lot of games that do it well that offer, you know, colorblind options and different yep. Um, the ability to change, like you know, in traditional games with game pads, a big thing right now. To you know the, you know dislike of many people is you know quick time events and you know having to mash buttons quickly and do stuff like that <laughs> that some people may not physically be able to do. So being able to turn those things off in settings, um, for a game like Asgard Wrath though, you know, a game that is so large, you know, that has so much content, so much spoken content, especially. Um, I can see why it wasn't feasible to get that in at launch. You know, it would have been great, but the fact that they're going back and re-adding it is a good sign. And, you know, that's hours and hours and hours of dialogue and um, so much that needs to be, you know, subtitled. And um, so, I mean, that's that's great that they're willing to do that because, you know, the game's out already. So that's a free update that, you know, really, really does, you know, take a toll on uh, development time uh, for something like that. That's, you know, 30, 40 hours of content. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's a really cool sign to see. And a vacation simulator, I mean, the the way they did it is fantastic because it's not just, you know, words that appear down here in your in your field of view. It's you know, like the robots have subtitle boxes that pop up and follow where you look around and you can change and customize them and interact with them and it's a very alchemy labs esque way of doing subtitles, mm-hmm. which is what I would expect. So
0: Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a cool struggle. It's a struggle with with Subtitles in a VR game because it is 3D, so you're not just yeah. overlaying something on a 2D screen. You know those those letters have to have some context to them. You know, either a mm-hmm. speech bubble or you know a, a, a placard of some sort. But you know, just having letters willy nilly floating around in front of you, it's very off putting. It it reminds you that you're in VR mm-hmm. uh, when it's not done correctly. So sure. I have a lot of respect though for developers who want to uh, provide that for their for
3: their you know, they're customers. They're, they're people. I
0: mean, and it, Tatiana, it's a long, do you have
3: any? No, go ahead. Yeah, go go ahead. It's it's actually hard sometimes with that topic because um, some of the earlier VR headsets have lower res, you know, screens yeah. in them. So, like, how big do you make the text and? do you worry about where somebody's looking, you know, is the resolution going to hold up? You know, are we holding yeah. it on screen long enough for people who are doing this a lot? And like, <laughs> a, a, how do you do these? Things? So it's, it's more than just actually adding the text. It's making sure it's usable and and clear.
0: Yeah. Tatiana, are there any comments
2: or do you have anything? No, I was going to say um, like with languages, I think, being close to like some AAA studios and like watching how they handle like multiple languages, I think developers have to start thinking about it in their initial process because like what you have to do with, you know, like a big AAA studio, for example, they have to work with their international departments and get the international voiceover. That all has to get, you know, approved through like the different languages, make sure, you know, the translations are done correctly and then make sure the audio quality is good. And I've seen it happen last minute and That's when it causes problems. And I think that if developers actually start thinking about this, um, you know, as a part of the actual development process, we'll see a lot more games actually release with more languages in the beginning, which will, I think, help in the long run.
0: That brings up a good point, Tatiana. I want your opinion on this. Would you rather a company not do it at all or do it poorly? and then go back later and fix it.
2: I would absolutely want them to not do it at all if they're going to, you know, do it Shoehorn it in. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I yeah, think I, it's, I you know, one of those things you have to, like, do correctly, 100%. Mm-hmm. Because uh, think about, you know, let's just say you're you're in France and you're a French-speaking person and you're playing this game that you've been waiting forever for and, you know, the audio's bad or the subtitles aren't translating correctly, like how you would feel neglected you would feel like oh because mm-hmm. i'm not an english speaking person or you know whatever the native language of the game is like they don't care about me and then after you know people would obviously complain and then if they fix it after that then they would see it as oh we had to complain to get this so it, for me i think it's important for devs to you know do it right the first time take take the extra time i would rather wait for like a couple extra months for a game if it's going to help everyone enjoy it versus rushing it to, you know, meet some specific date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So a- as
0: a developer, do, do you have uh, uh, features? that I mean, obviously, every developer has features. They wish that they could jam in real quick. But did you have features that were requested of you? And you're like, oh, we were going to put that in, but we ran out of time.
3: Yeah, there there were a few things. Um, uh, you know, the, the bond with Quill was one of the themes, right? So we wanted to actually have it so she can hear you. Um, so that was something Ooh. we prototype. We, we even got it up and running where her ears would swivel to look at you when she heard something or something in the environment. And it would try and build on that. But the complexity of making that work, like making the vocal recognition work, making the ears even point in the right direction yeah. and look good doing it and you know on top of everything else she does it, it was too complex in such a short time frame with such a small team um and there were there were a lot of other things that we we wanted to get in but we just had to push off to a future title
1: okay so <laughs> you bring up that point and it reminded me of a game that not many people played on the n64 called hey you pikachu and no, it was a game where you plugged in a microphone into the N64 controller. Oh, that's right. And you could talk to Pikachu and, you know, say like, you know, go fetch or, you know, hi and, you know, talk yeah. to Pikachu. And so, I mean, if I, I'm just saying here, this is me requesting a feature that I'm not a developer. <laughs> that should be a Moss too for sure. Like, make it happen. Make it happen. I agree with you. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> that's progress. Okay, cool.
2: I just want to clarify someone uh, had a comment. Like, I'm saying, like, all games should have multiple languages, but it shouldn't be an afterthought uh, to respond to Steve's comment. Like, you should be covering, you know, uh, at least, you know, three, four, five languages, but it should never be an afterthought. And I just wanted to clear that up. Like, it shouldn't not have multiple languages. Yeah, we actually outsourced a lot of our
3: you know uh, multiple languages because it's 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 a lot of work to do in studios there's actual studios out there you can pay to, to you know to take care of that kind of work for you cool that's really cool good stuff
0: all right let's move on to our next story uh upload recently posted an article pointing out that there's Seven missing v r games that we're still eagerly waiting for uh games get stuck in in the in progress you know they they might take one two three twelve a hundred years to come out uh there's seven of them listed here uh that are still coming we don't know uh so here here's the list uh we've got star child. Blunt Force, Starchild, <laughs> <laughs> Star Blunt Force, The Elder Scrolls Blades, Dreams, Babylon, Battle Royale, and the Climb on Quest. Oh, in in Valve's flagship VR game, um, we're just sitting here waiting for these games. Uh, does anybody want to like pick one and tackle it? What, what's going on here? Where are these games? Star Child, oh, I remember right. uh, <laughs> Star,
3: Star
2: Star Child is one of those games that like I remember playing at oh was it it wasn't E3, was it E3? I can't yeah. remember it. No, it was PSX, it was PSX, it was PSX twenty seventeen. Oh, yeah. yeah. And one of like the coolest things at, no Chris Richardson Golem did not come out. Um, but like with Star Child is how you could like lean. And like, look at like these little intricate environments, because you were basically like, you know, it was like a side scroll, like similar to Trine is like, I don't know, I guess like what it reminds me of, but you could literally like lean in and look at these little details and stuff. And then there was rumors that it was getting canceled. And then they said it wasn't. And it was
1: like a year ago. so
2: it (laughs) It was like when I first started with Upload VR, and we haven't heard anything since. And I'm very sad.
1: Yeah, as I mean, I really Playful is—they've um, kind of shifted their attention to non-VR for the past few years. Yeah. Um. So Super Lucky Sale came out on Xbox One, and now new Super Lucky Sale is coming out on Switch. And they have, uh, I think, a, a game called Creative Verse or something like that. That's a lot like Minecraft, available on PC. That they kind of it's a games as a service that they support. Um. So they they have their hands in a lot of pots. Um. They say they're still working on Star on Star Child. So I'm hoping that it will come out next year is, is what I'm hoping um, that, I mean, I, I'm really excited for that game too. Ian was blown away by it when he played it at E3 2017. He loved it. Um, you know, it's kind of similar in a way to some of the things that make Moss Ma so great is, you know, having that sort of diorama feel um, a game that would traditionally be like a top-down or side-scrolling 2d action game. You wouldn't think initially like, Oh yeah, VR, but whenever you play it in VR, it's, it kind of changes the way you think about that whole genre. And so I think Star Child has that same potential to do for platformers and puzzle games of that regard. Um, So I'm really eager for that one. Um, One of the others on the list is Elder Scrolls Blades. Um, That's uh, Initially, right now it's only a mobile game. It's supposed to come to Switch later this year, and I think PS4 as well. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it, um, to be honest. I love Skyrim VR, but that's mostly because I just love Skyrim. Um, So the Blades is a bit different in that it's not an open-world game. It's not... You know, a game with a huge, you know, dramatically massive world and massive quest line—it's, it is made for mobile. You know, it's a game where you can play for five minutes and go on a little quest in a dungeon, and then, you know, it has like an energy system and currency you have to. It, it's so I'm not sure how they're even going to translate that to VR, but Todd Howard said they are, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, I don't know that that one's. I'm very, very cautiously. Optimistic that it could work, and you know, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's that's one that I'm looking forward to, just because I'm a big Elder Scrolls fan.
0: Yeah. So the one that I'm really interested in is the Babylon Battle Royale because I've actually played that game several times throughout their development process. Uh, the Kite and Lightning team uh, has been gracious enough to let me kind of play some of the, uh, the different versions. And it's, it's a, it's a blast. I mean, it is really a fun game. It's going to be a good, uh, where is it multi- Kyle? Where is I it? I know.
1: Huh?
3: Right. If where it's is much it? Fun. <laughs>
0: where is it kite lining? Come on. Uh, no, seriously though. It is, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the multiplayer experience, It, it, it it's driven by the multiplayer experience. I mean, it's, yeah. it's literally Thunderdome with babies on, hot wheels and it's just it's hilarious the, the uh facial, and their story like,
1: capture that they've done is incredible uh-huh. they have some videos showing how they've rigged their like mocap system to get the, yep. those really intricate uh like body animations of dancing and the faces it's i mean technically it's really impressive and it's not even out yet this is a mm-hmm. you know so i'm i'm eager to see what it's like Do you want? yeah they, they use
3: an xsens mocap suit and then an iPhone to capture the face that's so actually mounted to a little head bracket that follows <laughs> the head around. It's so amazing. Cool. It was, they, he was at uh, a guy demonstrating that was at SIGGRAPH 2018, and I was there, and I got to see it, and it just ah. is mind-blowing. We actually looked into this, the same thing, um, and we actually got um, a quill to be able to be driven by an iPhone facial Um, tracking system too just we were inspired so much by that you know little internal Mm -hmm. project we'd have to play with but yeah I I can't wait for that game and I had no idea the way you just described it like that's going to be amazing I want that game so bad right now
0: yeah and and I can only imagine that the reason it hasn't come out yet is because it hasn't been fully spit and polished I mean I, I every day that it's not out is another day that they've improved it that's how I look at it. Just knowing yeah. the kind lightning, yeah. folks. That's how I'm looking at.
1: It. Yeah. What's so, that old classic Miyamoto quote? Um, a rushed game is bad forever, but a delayed game is eventually good. Something like yes. that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's good, how I like, like when The Last of Us Two got pushed back. You know, four months. It's like y'all waited this long. <laughs> like well, my <laughs> it, issue with
1: that is they delayed it like a month after they announced the release date. Like, why not just wait and announce
2: the real date? Developers often have pressure to, buy their mm, publishers,
1: yeah. To, In this case, Sony, to yeah.
2: make a date, yeah, and yeah. say you have to announce this date then, and then sometimes there are just
3: unforeseen,
2: yeah. you know, yeah. issues that come up, and I, and you know, knowing a lot of people on that team, they are working very hard, and I think it's yeah, the best that you know they take some stress yeah. off themselves For and do sure. take the For time sure. to polish it, and that's with any game, you know, it's like. The, people expect so much out of game developers when they don't understand the process, and it's it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. sometimes when you see people sending death threats to developers for you know like a oh, oh, one month pushback or you know stuff. There, there there's a line right? Like there's a line where I feel like okay, say something, like ask what's going on. But when you're sending death threats and demanding refunds for four mm-hmm. months, it's like and I mean, like Who I are look are at you? the
1: way <laughs> look at the way that. You know the market is now with social media. Yeah, you have you know developers that are very public on Twitter and their mm-hmm. Discord channels where people can directly whisper and private message you. And I mean, it's it's a different it's a different landscape now than it was five even ten years ago. Mm. Uh, so-
2: someone in the comments said death threats with all caps. Like, yeah, it it happens. I know mm-hmm. people at a lot of big studios that that get death threats for really uh, so, dumb stuff
1: um in the chat anthony just to clarify the game is called babylon battle royale but it's not a battle royale game so that name that's a genre now that people identify as like 100 people drop into a map and fight until there's one left standing it's like a arena combat game with babies <laughs> on cars so i mean right it, call it's call it
0: it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's not not exactly the same. You can get two or three or four people in all at one time, but it's not, it's not a hundred people. No, it's, it's more picture a stadium and inside the stadium, there's four babies trying to kill each other on cars. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, (laughs) That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll yeah. have to look up some footage of it. We have articles. They're a little old now because they haven't, you know, nothing new has come out about that game in a while. So we there aren't new articles. But we have videos and stuff here on our YouTube and on UploadVR.com. You can look those up if you want more info yeah. on that
0: game. I feel like we're going to reach out. So Akreema, if you're watching, be ready for an email. All right. Uh, <laughs> do we want? Does anybody want to say anything about the Valve...
2: Flagship, I I am so I'm so sensitized by Valve and like, you know they can't count to three like you know it's (laughs) there's just so many things that you know with their in-house stuff that when it happens it happens and it's good. That's a great point.
1: Look, Kyle, our avatars can't count to three. Yeah, we're just like Valve. One, yeah, one, two, two, five.
0: five. No, I can't do three. One. Four no oh, man. <laughs> two. I, can't. I can't. One there it is. plus
2: two is three. Yeah, uh, I don't even three. know
1: three. Three. Yeah, there's three
2: confirmed. Yeah. Three. There we go. Half Life Three confirmed. Here we go. Uh, no, but it's yeah. You know, like I'm trying to think of a first party Valve game that like truly disappointed me, and I can't think of one right now. Um, you know, everything that I've played, I've always thoroughly enjoyed. It's just. You know, I guess good things come to those who wait, so
1: i mean yeah. they've they've kind of put themselves into a corner here though, because they've waited so long that yeah, I mean, it's just the expectations are beyond anything that's ever existed it's far, also i mean it's
2: communication right, like you're talking about social media, like yeah. Yeah, they're they're like naughty dog. Let's go back to the Last of Us two delay, right? Neil Druckmann came out. He had his whole statement. talked about what was going on. Was like, look, this, you know, we didn't want this to happen, but this is the right thing. But then yeah. you do have developers like Valve, where they don't say anything almost yeah. ever, right? So, like, I think, and then at the um, actually at, thing. at
1: the Index launch event, Gabe made a Half Life three joke, which makes it Rude. worse because it makes Rude. it you like you see that he's aware of this whole like zeitgeist of the game. And then he goes out and makes jokes about the number three. So it's like when the game finally well, does come out, like it's, well, I if mean, you were Gabe Newell,
0: wouldn't you be doing the same thing? No, That's I mean, it's true. so, I yeah, I, yeah That's I mean, I would yeah. be, I would make every joke possible. I would, I would have the number three tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and then right underneath it you mad bro, you know? Just just uh
2: I would if I had like security personnel 24/7 like <laughs> Half-Life stands are are serious people. They're they're yeah. mad. They want it. I mm-hmm. I mean, I've been waiting for it since what? I was 16 cuz I think I was 15, 14 and a half when Half-Life 2 came out cuz I got it for my 15th birthday from my friend John. So Essentially, for fifteen years, I've been. See, your expectations
3: are pretty high at this point, right? So it's, imagine so, as yeah. as
2: it's a Valve mixed.
3: Employee.
2: It's mixed. Like I, I ha, so I have the high expectations. I'm like, when, if, and when it does finally happen, it'll be great. But I also have the Duke Nukem forever kind yes. of like fear. Yes. because <laughs> how many development cycles have we gone through? And has it been restarted every time if it's in development? And if so, are they using a new source code? Are they updating the engine? And if they're not, like, I don't want Duke Nukem Forever 2. You know, I don't yeah. want that. You'll forget actually, a delayed I game. That, you, I
0: would play that, just to be honest.
3: I would play that. You won't forget a bad game, but you'll forget a delayed game. And yeah. that's probably what they're just counting on. Like, if the game's eventually good when it comes out, then mm. great. It doesn't matter, mm. right? They, they win. Yeah. But, like, the expectations are so high right now. How do you make a decision? Like when you're, you know, designing feature A and you're like, is this good enough? Oh God, the, the players are going to say this about this and here's this flaw to it, you know, and it's paralysis by expectation at that point. And I could only imagine how hard it must be to like to all agree on, yeah. on features and all agree on what to do with the product or what the story is going to be or anything like that. It's, I feel like not. if
2: anyone out there knows about that and like what that's like, it's any developer at Square Enix right yeah like i i I feel like we should have them on the show to be like so what's it like yeah (laughs) because
1: wasn't 15 announced as versus 13 like i don't want to talk about
2: it but yes but
1: ps4 was even a thing it was like
2: well kingdom hearts 3 was supposed to be a ps3 launch title right and like so and kingdom hearts 3 I eventually learned that was the same team that was working on 15. So that's why kingdom hearts three took mm. forever because they wanted it to be the same team and have the same feel and all this stuff. I just knocked off my water bottle and VR. Um, but yeah, like, so it's, how do you handle that kind of stuff? And I actually haven't played kingdom hearts three yet, despite waiting for it for a very long time. I think I was in the ninth grade when I beat kingdom hearts two, maybe the eighth grade. Um, Cause it's something I want to actually just sit down and do all at once. But,
0: I've, well thanks I yeah. feel really old right now thank you uh, uh, yeah. let's move on <laughs> to the next <laughs> the next news piece uh late last week facebook spaces officially shut down ahead of the launch of facebook's new social experience facebook horizon which will go live sometime in 2020 so rip Facebook spaces I mean what did you did you use facebook spaces a lot
3: no, I actually never used it at all. And maybe that's why they're either. shutting it down, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I I don't know many people who have. Um and it's interesting to know what they're gonna do next, because chances are they're just rolling that team over, right? I, I mean, I so. guess
0: I don't know. Did you use it a lot, Tatiana? I have never no. used it. So I used it I did. I used it a little bit, but I really wasn't sure what I was doing. I felt like I was just in a like a I felt like I was in a dome, and people like I, like I like a cage, and people are looking at me. I felt like a gerbil running on a wheel in a cage. Uh, it didn't feel like I was doing a whole lot of stuff. And Horizon is supposed to give us this. Uh, you know, do we want to call it the VR chat killer? Uh, do we want to call it the alt space killer? Do we want to call it the high fidelity killer? Do we want to call it the rec room? Well, ki- I mean, to kill what is something
1: it? doesn't it have to be alive? Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> So, job. so what did you? My what's job. your
0: what's your hot take on this, David?
1: <laughs> I mean, um, what? The, there were some cool things that I liked about Spaces. Well, one of the things that I really liked was you could call people from inside VR and have the messenger video chat. Have them you see they see you in VR and you see them in real life. I loved that feature. I hope hmm. something like that gets carried through into just maybe the Oculus system itself or. Maybe Horizon will have something like that. Like I love that feature and I loved being able to share like 360 videos and have it surround you and you can be inside of it. And there were so many cool things. So, I mean, I I hope not all of it's dead, but on the Horizon front, I I don't think it's going to kill VR chat specifically because, I mean, Facebook is going to be so strictly, you know, like this is your real name. This is your real identity. You have to be your true self and we're going to police you. And then VR chat's the exact opposite. So I think VRChat based on that alone will continue to flourish.
2: I can't Um, think of VRChat without thinking about the Russian Kermit. Yeah. It's scarred (laughs) me forever.
1: Uganda Knuckles, I mean, uh, you know, animal. No, I mean like like Russian
2: Kermit actually like happened to me. Like I went into (laughs) like a place where I was like, okay, this seems like a chill, like VR chat room. I'm going to go in. I'm going to like mess with my settings and figure out. Cause it was the first time I played VR chat and this Russian guy who was Kermit stood on this platform and was like looking down at me, like screaming at me in Russian. And I couldn't like speaking Serbian, I could pick up like a <laughs> couple things, but none of it made any sense. And then he would like go around and like chase people in the room and then like I was like That's trying VR to like chat. get away from go. him, like messing with my menu, and then he would just like get in my face. I was like, I don't know what's happening. That's VR
0: and, chat. There it is. And
2: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you I, would
0: I never th- oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that yeah, VR chat is like the Reddit of VR social. Yes. And and that's and that's the key, because you can be banned and then just turn around and come back and do another, you know, do another account, you know, and show up as, you know, Ugandan Knuckles or something like that and (laughs) follow people around. And do you know the way, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, to
1: be fair, like I will say, though, they have done a lot of progress in the past year or so of making it a better experience for people. Yes. There are a lot of, you know, safety things you can do now. You have like a privacy bubble that you can turn on mm-hmm. and off for whether someone's your friend or not. You have to have logged like a certain number of hours before you can even upload a custom avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. that's like a good feature because it prevents trolls just from jumping in and creating, you know, terrible stuff. Um, I mean, there's there's like a friends list of different tiers of users based on how involved in the community they are. Um, and there's some amazing worlds, too, like and the community that is like actually good is actually very, very good. And I've seen a lot of really, you know, wholesome, heartwarming stuff happen in VR chat that probably won't happen in Horizon just because, I mean, like you said, it's, it's going to be like the Facebook of VR, whereas VR chat the Reddit of VR, where in, in Horizon you're going to hang out with people you already know. I doubt you're going to really meet a whole lot of new people that are going to be as open to, you know, talking about things as they are in VR chat.
2: Yeah, I,
1: Facebook I honestly,
2: Horizon. Go uh-oh. ahead. I was say I honestly don't know if like Horizons appeals to me at all.
0: Oh, it appeals to me the same way I use Facebook to talk to, you know, uh Aunt Gertrude or Uncle T- you know Tim sure. down you know. I I I it Facebook Horizon will be the Facebook of, like David said, I mean, it's profound, but it's true. It's going to be that. You're going to go in and interact. And I had somebody at uh, Connect this this year say that, you know, when they saw Horizon, I said, well, what do you think? Do they get it right? And that person said, well, they got it half right, meaning from the waist up. The avatars in Facebook horizon don't have any legs or feet or anything. Mm -hmm. It's almost like
1: we're using a Facebook product right now to show our
0: hands. (laughs) Where are my feet? Where are my feet? I have no feet. Okay. Uh, right. So, you know, that's now it looks like, uh, if you go to the Facebook Spaces site right now uh, There is a statement on that site That just informs users that the app is no longer available As of October 25th, 2019 So it's just, poof, gone uh, Horizon will be coming out soonish, uh, But we don't know exactly when So we'll have to wait and see And who knows, we might uh, get all sorts of fun new things To experiment with when Horizon comes out Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see Or it could just be Spaces again Never know All right, time to move on to release of the week. But we've got a couple things going on, and Ian is not here, so I will just do this for him. Pistol whip, pistol whip, pistol whip, pistol whip, pistol whip. Is that is? Did I do it correctly? Did I get enough in there?
1: You have to look in the camera.
0: Oh, okay. Pistol whip, 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 pistol whip. There you go. Did I say it enough? Pistol. You're welcome, Ian.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ian's so, a big fan of Pistol Whip. I, yeah, uh, have you played it, Kyle? Uh, have you uh, played I, it, Rick? I, I still no, haven't. No. <laughs> so I'm the only one that's played it here. I am the voice. I am the authority on Pistol Whip.
2: And I Ian's can not hear here to stop me. screaming all the way. Ian's not here thing. to stop me.
1: Pistol Whip. That yeah, I don't know. That's no, it? It, it's good. It, it's good. It's very good. Um, <laughs> read, read Ian's hands on. It's live on the site. He's. He's played something like 40 hours of that game over the past few months. He he is obsessed. And almost yeah. all of those hours have been in the same like two songs. He is so addicted to that high score leaderboard. I think he was number two behind like one of the devs at one point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he is super into Pistol Whip. And I, I like it too. It's If you're unfamiliar, it's basically like if you were to take sort of like uh, Beat Saber where you're constantly moving along a track. And then enemies are coming in like super hot style from the side shooting at you where you have to dodge bullets and shoot them. But then if you shoot them to the beat of the music, you get more points. So it's so the a, music hot has a super saver. Yes. Yes. Okay. Pistol so wow. has, pistol
2: revolution.
1: As the music like pulses, you know, the world, the whole world around you will pulse with the colors, so you can kind of get into the, you know, get into the rhythm of the of the beat while you're shooting. And it has a cool like john wick style to it where you're you know you're dodging bullets and shooting here and shooting there and then i mean they get the name because if you pistol whip an enemy you know as you hit them then you get like more bonus points too which is hard to do because some enemies are shooting at you while you're going towards them so you have to like actually like dodge bullets and then you know like swipe and hit them so it's a good workout it's fun it's um i think it's going to be pretty popular i don't I don't think it's going to light the world on fire as much as Beat Saber did um, because it just it feels like it's a little bit too similar to, you know, it's 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 not anything new enough um, to me. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it's going to quite hit that level. But I do think it'll be popular. I, I enjoy what I've played of it.
3: Yeah, it sounds good Any to thoughts? me. I'm I'm sold. I, I kind of want to play it this afternoon now, knowing what what you just described it as. Do they have like a, a a time trial mode where it saves your playthrough and then you get to actually compete against your friends?
1: Um, I don't know about that. I know that it has like leaderboards. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I what, what day does it come out? November fifth? Is that when it comes out? November
0: fifth? Uh is it fifth or eighth or something? Yeah, it's close. Somewhere it's in early there. early I think November. Na- yeah. yeah. November Seven. 7th. It's the 7th. Yes. Very good. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you, Rick, do, do, do you play a lot
3: of Beat Saber? Oh, yes. Oh, very much so. Um, my son and I love playing that together all the time. And we we tried experiment, experimenting with some of the custom songs, too. And that's just endlessly entertaining.
0: Okay. Mm. Did you ever play Audio Shield?
3: No, never played that one.
0: Okay. Uh, how that about you, David? Did you play? Did you play Audio Shield?
1: Yeah, yeah. That came out the whenever the live launched. It launched with Audio Shield. That was kind of the yeah. original VR rhythm game.
0: I'm just curious. Why did Beat Saber take off, and Audio Shield kind of took a back seat?
1: Uh, I think it's a mixture of things. I think um, mixed reality footage came around the same time Beat Saber did. That was a big part of their marketing. Uh, Live did incredible work with those videos, and it really sold the the cool factor, which was missing for Audio Shield. Um, Audio Shield also wasn't anywhere near as polished; it was a little janky, and just the whole UI was weird. It was off, and you would you would pick songs from YouTube, and it would like auto generate a, a you know like things to punch. So it just wasn't quite as good. And because all the levels were auto generated, they weren't custom made specifically for that song and for that beat map so the quality is much better in beat saber and mm-hmm. i also think the the lightsabers are cooler than you know inflatable gloves which is what it looks like an audio shield and um like it just it feels better when you slash something it, they they nailed that sound that it makes whenever you slash something and mm-hmm. i think it's more visceral and it, you know, it really gets your heart pumping more to go like this, you know, wildly than, you know, just go like that. So I think it, I don't know. I think, um, I think they just sort of saw audio shield and they kind of just improved basically everything and kind of changed a little
0: bit. So make a prediction for me, David, uh, pistol whip, taking what Beat Saber has done to another level, completely different, more like audio shield or deserves to be in its own genre by itself.
1: Um, I think it's, it takes what, mm, I I think the closest description would be its own genre. Okay. Just because of the way the gun works. It's not, it's not quite like Autica where you're shooting a target to the beat of the music. You are moving like Beat Saber, but, or no, in Beat Saber, the blocks come to you, but in Pistol Whip, you're moving through the level. And so Mm -hmm. it, it almost feels more like a musically, you know, inspired version of like a time crisis in a way cuz you have enemies yeah. flowing in and you're dodging and shooting and ducking and stuff um so it's um it's a more i don't know it's it's hard it's hard to explain it, it's definitely a rhythm game like that you can't say it's not but it
0: yeah well let's move on to the uh the hot topic for the week and we are all Dressed in our uh Halloween best. And so the hot topic for this week is VR as a medium for horror games. Horror genre, maybe not games, but experiences, things like that. Uh some people can handle it. Some people can jump into Resident Evil and VR on their PSVR and handle it no problem. Some people can do face your fears and all that. Other people nope out of their headset as fast as they can. So we'll start over here. VR horror, uh, you know, painful, excruciating torture, or totally awesome and you'd recommend it to your friends.
3: It depends on the friend, really. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like uh, how serious do you take, like how immersed are you in in VR and how what is like you were saying, what is your tolerance level for something like that? I know for me, I don't have the tolerance level for something like that. I you know VR feels a little too real, and to have something jump at me like that is just not my cup of tea. But Um, I I think that it's because it's so immersive and because you've got this, this environment that you really feel like you're in, it just amplifies all the things that you've seen in horror movies or Resident Evil on a flat screen TV or whatnot. So if you can't handle the, the, the 2d version, don't try the VR version. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want to
0: know your opinion, Tatiana. I I, I have
2: have so many opinions. So my first experience with VR horror was actually at CES this year. Um, It was also the first time that I tried a quest with the face your fears two demo. And Mm. we had, we, posted a clip on Twitter. I, I know there's the full video somewhere, but like my I hate spiders. Like no, I will right cry. I will. No, my God. No, I will. Was cry. it Richie plank with the pumpkin at the end with
3: the spiders that come down? Uh-uh. I,
2: I actually <laughs> no, Speaking okay, of I Richie's know. plank, I actually looked and then I walked back in the elevator and was like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like my hands are sweaty. Like I was sweaty. I was shaking like my my pulse was through the roof. Um, and I was actually I accidentally, I am so sorry. I think her name was Adele. I'm so sorry. The girl at Sandbox VR yesterday, I punched her and I felt really bad because I thought I was punching Ian because you're doing like a PvP thing. And you have this like <laughs> it it doesn't hurt because you have this giant, like soft thing, but like she was fixing something on Ian and I just wept for it and I was like, What is this? And she didn't say anything and I kept punching, but at CES uh, <laughs> 2017, I was playing Farpoint VR. And um, one of my friends who's a rep for PlayStation took his CES badge with the ribbons and, like, put it on my ear. And I, when the spiders were on the screen, so I almost oh. hit, like, his colleague in the face. Um, but something, <laughs> like, with VR horror, I, I could talk about VR horror all day. Like, I find it really hard to close my eyes when I get scared in VR. And I did, it's called Nicodemus, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I did Nicodemus earlier this year with Chris and and his best friend, Texas Mike. And like, they were God knows where on the other side of the building, like screaming. And I was by myself because it separates two and two. And there was just the three of us. And I remember walking in a hallway and being super scared and having to really tell myself like, it's vr but you can close your eyes and i don't know what it is but it's really hard for me to close my eyes i know
0: i'm here in my home i'm not you know actually in a creepy cabin in the woods with giant spiders crawling i know i'm not i mean i can always nope out take the headset off but i don't have to i am okay with closing my eyes i i actually really enjoy uh doing a good horror experience i i want to be so scared and it's just nobody's really given that so the challenge is out there folks to really really create a horror experience where i need to take the headset off because i am so scared um you know feel feel free to you know add that to to one of your games
1: down the road yes have you played the exorcist legion
0: vr um i don't think i have so well, then you should play
1: that start? before and reassess your, your, your
0: state. Okay. Right no,
3: absolutely. Now, have I you played, I do Have that. you
1: played resident evil seven VR? Yes. Have you played the whole
0: game? Not the whole thing. No. Okay.
1: That's that, the
3: scariest. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say that game is the only game to ever give me literal nightmares. Oh, okay. Cool. As I go to sleep at night, I am remembering the things that happened to me as if they were real. Jesus. And I remembered myself inside the game, getting my hand cut off, getting, you know, like just like it was so intense. I mean, part of it is the fact that I played it right when it came out at launch for review. So I had to cram the whole game into like three days and it was it was an incredibly harrowing experience. I haven't replayed it since. I think I'm partially traumatized, um, but I'm. Um, <laughs> A game like that, if they were to have it with full, you know, hand tracking, motion controllers, room scale, it would be even better. But it's just a gamepad game. But even still, that game, I would say my my top horror games, I'm going to have a list on the site later today at UploadVR.com. But Resident Evil 7 VR, um, The Exorcist, Legion VR, and then right behind that, I would probably put A Chair in a Room, Greenwater. I loved that one as well. Both of those last two, Exorcist and Chair in a Room, are both by the same developer. Uh, Wolfenwood. And And, uh, one of my others that it it gets me is Five Nights at Freddy's VR. Yeah. That's an automatic. Nope. I didn't know that was in VR. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It recently came out. So it's part of it is the helplessness of it. Because when you're playing on a phone or on a PC screen, you're clicking on, you know, buttons and then all the creatures come up and scare you, whatever. But when you're sitting in the, in the chair behind the control panel, and you're looking at the cameras mm-hmm. and you have to physically turn on and off the lights and open and close doors and you can't move and they cut it's it yeah no uh it just uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I love man. horror games yeah. I love
0: it <laughs> well maybe <laughs> I, I should do some streams of uh live streams of me playing horror games that uh if you if you'd like to see me jump in uh put some comments here for yeah, I'll probably be
1: I'll probably be playing one tomorrow for Halloween and I haven't picked which one yet. Oh good.
0: Excellent. Okay. Uh any other comments uh on horror games before we jump into the interview portion of the show? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe uh the two of you want to go do your interview now. Ian and snap. Uh, and pistol whip. Whip. snap.
2: Pistol whip. I'm doing pistol I'm doing whip, this in whip. Ian's honor. Pistol whip. Pistol. Oh. There we go. Ooh.
1: Wow, that's... Yeah, the, you, you got to to initiate the Oh, there we go. Yep, there it is. Woo-hoo. All right, thank you, Tatiana and Kyle. They're back over there behind the cameras. You guys can't see them. But uh, yeah, here we are with our pumpkin. Uh, whenever it's not I'm Halloween, we it. have a plant usually, but it's spooky, so it has to be a pumpkin.
3: That's, yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah.
1: Which is which is what people have for, for spookiness. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm David from Upload, and you are... Rick Lico polyarc cool cool thank you for joining us um so i hope you enjoyed being on the being on the show um now for the interview segment we'll just kind of keep things casual chat a little bit about your career about moss about polyarc about vr and uh, about your wonderful little bird companion here
3: (laughs) which shoulder is it on this shoulder it's on your left shoulder yeah (laughs) boy it'd be awesome if like i could do a fun voice and just have the lips move on that thing instead
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, that that would be fantastic. Um, so if anyone has questions here in the chat for Rick about Polyarch, about Moss, um, feel free to drop those into the chat. I'll be able to look at them and read them every now and then. Um, I
3: assume you can't talk about Moss 2. No, no, we, we have not announced anything okay.
1: yet. Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you about Moss 2 anyway, so just prepare yourself. <laughs> I'll uh, put up the I, shields. I, okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess first, let's get started with talking a little bit about you. I know you have a, a pretty long history in the game industry uh, relative to a lot of VR developers that seem a little bit more fresh. But you used to be a Bungie for a while um, and you worked at other studios besides that. So can you just talk a little bit about your journey through gaming and uh, how what brought you to VR?
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I started as a professional animator in 2000. So I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. Um, and my first gaming job was at the end of 2000 at a little studio in Indianapolis called Sunstorm, working on Deer Hunter and Duke Nukem and a bunch of other stuff. Um, oh, okay. yeah, well, weird times. Uh, it was, is, um, back in the, it was like the wild west of game development where you can put in as many, um, you know, bugs or as many, um, Easter eggs as you wanted. And, <laughs> like, you know, teams of were, like were five, the, were the
1: Deer Hunter before. games notorious for Easter eggs.
3: Uh, <laughs> the, ones, the ones that I worked on were, yeah, I actually, <laughs> um, a, a really good one is uh, there was, um, I worked on Deer Hunter 2003, and there was a, a cow in one of the fields in like the back area of Montana or something. And if wow. you actually shot that cow, uh, it actually, instead of dying, um, uh, an alien would come and abduct <laughs> the cow. And the <laughs> cow would awesome. backflip because it was so happy to be out of that game. Um, <laughs> and it, <yeah. laughs> You know, there's a lot of cool little uh, little Easter eggs we'd put in. That's just one of many that we actually snuck in. One of the programmers put a yeti that was tethered to the camera, like off in the distance. And one out of every like 1,500 times you boot the game up, it would tether that yeti to to you. So then, you know, somebody found it, right? And they're posting on the email, "Oh my god, there's a yeti in the game!" So the lead programmer who did this went onto the forums and was like, "No man, there's no yeti here. I don't know what <laughs> you're talking amazing. about. Like totally trolling this guy."
1: <laughs> yeah, this is back before like. Which was a thing, and back before YouTube was as big as it is, and there was no like Twitter yeah. to post the footage, and so this guy is probably thinking he's crazy, like he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, After that, it was Ravensoft so and working on Jedi and X Men, oh, and then yeah, Monolith. Well, which which Jedi games did you work on? Uh, Jedi Academy. Oh, that's my favorite one. All right, cool. Thanks. Yeah, I did all the yeah. the lightsaber combat for that, for all the new really? the new lightsaber combat for that stuff. Love yeah. it. That's yeah, awesome. I had fun. Awesome. That was a great project. Um, thanks, uh, Monolith worked on Condemned a little bit on Fear. Um, Ooh, nice and then oh, a horror
1: games. So look
3: at that. Yeah, I condemned I is earlier.
1: Condemned is such a classic. That game is so underrated. It gets. I don't think it gets the appreciation it deserves. That thanks. I love was... Condemned. Yeah. It was
3: it was fun to make. I know um, back then that that was an exciting field because first person melee combat had really never been done well at that point. Right, right. So it was a cool challenge. You know, when they said, "Hey, we want you to do first person melee combat and figure out how it all works and make it feel good," it's like, "Oh, uh, sweet! Yeah, that sounds like a cool challenge."
1: You know, while we're talking about it, condemned that that game would be great in VR. It I think would, it, wouldn't it? It has so many elements. The the the, the detective elements using your you know to investigate crime scenes and then combat in, in first yeah. person and uh, just the atmosphere alone you know like it, that would be a great vr game but um the chances of that actually getting ported are basically zero but maybe someone can in, be inspired by it and make something like that cuz i would i would love to play a vr game like that
3: yeah i don't even know where the ip sits anymore i know it was published by sega but i don't know who owns it warner brothers sega i have no idea yeah, where i don't that know one. i
1: know it got a yeah. sequel but I, the sequel wasn't anywhere near as good
3: i worked on both um <laughs> yeah well but well the sequel no yeah the sequel kind of went off the rails the team got a lot bigger and we kind of lost focus on that one mm. um but yeah the original one the, the mannequin one was really scene exciting.
1: the mannequin scene in the original oh god oh, so good god. wasn't it the, i i will never forget that scene that was
3: yeah incredible
1: um so after ravensoft and then condemned what else did you work on
3: well then i, I went to Bungie. so then it was um working oh. on halo reach cuz they they brought me in um back when the studio was in a transitionary phase and you know we were breaking away from microsoft at the time and we were making our last halo game so um i was brought in to buy a mocap studio and try and make some changes to the animation process there and then moved on to destiny and i was actually the first animator on destiny trying to help boot that project up and figure Mm, out what that ip was it was a lot of fun and then you know vr now
1: so what about VR was attractive to you? Cause um, you know, it's usually there's like a, a moment of, you know, sort of like clarity for a developer where they like feel like, Oh, VR could be the next big thing. Or was it just, you know, what, what about it brought, brought to you, brought you to it, I guess let me say.
3: Well, it, initially it looked just intriguing to me. Like, and I think that's uh. everyone's first impression of VR. It's like, wow, that looks interesting. And then, um, I put on the headset and saw a demo with like a dinosaur walking towards me.
1: Yeah. That's the Crytek demo.
3: Yeah. 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 And, and I was just amazed like what you can do with a character in VR. Like all of a sudden I felt like I was actually occupying space with some mm-hmm. virtual character. And I thought, Oh, this is amazing for animation. Like there's so much potential here to, to just really expand on what animation is and how to bring a character to life that, you know, it's hard to do because when you're, when you're playing games on a TV or even watching a movie on a movie screen, there's this flat panel and then you have a control in your hand or popcorn, depends on the, the format. Um, and, you know, you do these abstract things and then the character does these things on the screen and there's this this inherent abstractness to the whole interaction that that isn't obvious. It's, it's a learned experience. But when you're actually in VR and you see that dinosaur and you reach out and you want to pet it and you could practically feel the breath when it gets in close to you and looks yeah, at you yeah. like oh my god do you know how much animation can affect immersion and, and what we can do and at that point i'm just like oh yeah guys i, I gotta do this with you you know i yeah. joined polyarc the moment i tried that demo that's awesome
1: all right what's up everybody uh sorry for the internet connection issues that uh, rick is having over polyarc it's um, for some reason, his avatar isn't really working correctly and his uh, audio isn't working and it's a lot of desyncing issues. And um, so he's he's having trouble getting that sorted. So we're going to go ahead and probably end the episode here. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the stream. I hope you enjoyed watching our chat about VR horror and all the latest news and my uh, brief interview here with Rick, learning about his background and his uh, journey to VR And uh, he wasn't able to share any news on Moss 2, unfortunately. But hopefully we get some details on the game soon. Uh, We know that they are working on it, obviously, at Polyarch. And uh, so thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be live next week going back to Thursday at 10.30 a.m. with uh, another episode of the VR Download. And make sure you check in here on our YouTube for uh, all other great content. We have some new pistol whip videos today. Um, yesterday, we published an interview with uh, Insomniac about Stormland. And uh, every Friday, we have a VR recap that does a giveaway as well as a news roundup. And you can check out all of the latest news, reviews, and other good stuff at UploadVR.com. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you hit that button down down below. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and uh, you'll get notified when we go live with future episodes and other live streams. Uh, So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Cut the episode a little short, but we do think we had a good chat and had a great time here while we were live. So thank you again and uh, see you next time.